back online. Round two. Round two. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to Bedrock Thoughts, <laughs> where we talk about everything and anything under the stars. We are joined here by college bestie Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. Um. We are in a hotel room. <laughs> in Taiwan. <laughs> As you can see, we are in a hotel room. If you can't see, you can hear. There, are, there is like major reverb <laughs> in this room. Yeah. Also, the walls are really thin. So. And there's no windows. RP to people in the next room who are probably hearing this very weird unpacking of. What do you mean? This is a gift. <laughs> They get to hear the first <laughs> listening. This is a gift <laughs> to them. This is a them. gift to them. Um, yeah, we are in Taipei, Taiwan. This is our graduation trip. Yeah. Sort of, kind of. Delayed a little bit. Delayed. <laughs> delayed. Like, well, not that much. Like trip. four months after graduation, I guess. Yeah. So... It has been a long three weeks. <laughs> and we have come to the final night. <laughs> we have come to night zero. <laughs> um, yeah. Kyle and I already texted about a topic for this episode. Um, and we kind of decided on perfectionism. And then I remember <laughs> when you, then after that, you texted, um... Well, I you're like, well, I just wanted a topic that I could like talk a lot about. And I was like, isn't that the perfectionist talking? <laughs> yeah, I read also, that and I was like <laughs> I just sit there with myself for a minute. I was like, damn. Called out. Called out. Read to filth. Yeah. So Kyle, let's before we jump into the spiraling, the shenanigans, why don't you debrief us on your experience with perfectionism okay um i feel like i don't know like a lot of people there's like this blank area of my childhood that i don't really recall so things might have started before this no, but literally no, I... okay my memory ends my memory <laughs> literally ends after like sixth grade <laughs> Everything, has been Everything else out. is blank. You could fill in the gaps with yeah, whatever. <laughs> You're like, mm. um, but yeah, the first stuff I remember is from elementary school with standardized testing, because that I feel like was the first time that I was really like graded on a some sort of scale. Mm. Um, like prior to that, I feel like it was like, good job, you get a sticker or like, you know, like it was Don't just start. like, everyone's a winner. You know? Oh like, my God, participation yeah, awards. I ate that shit up. Um, but yeah, I feel like it was like third grade, fourth grade maybe, where we did our first like standardized testing. And of course, I was like super anxious about it. I was like, oh, if I don't do well on this, it's going to like ruin my future. I'm literally not going to go to college. <laughs> literally me <laughs> as I a little. third grade test, I'm not going to college. As a nine-year-old or however old you are. That's another thing I can never do. When people are like, how old are you in fifth grade? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. <laughs> okay, here's what I do. I do because I remember in fourth grade, I was 10 years old. Because... Oh, so I got it right. Nine, third grade. 
Yes. Anyway, sorry, continue. Because <laughs> I was like, I was 10 in fourth grade because I won my first first place medal in swimming in fourth grade when I was 10. I also, that's when I hit my peak in swimming was when I was 10. And it all just went downhill. And then there. everyone else hits puberty. And I <laughs> never <you're>... did <laughs> until like junior year of high school. So <laughs> you just get left in the dust. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Anyway, journey with perfectionism. Um, sports will come into it probably at some point. So we'll oh. we'll talk about that later because I feel like swimming, especially, is like you know down to the hundredth of yeah. the second. So it really fosters perfectionism. Um, but anyway. Yeah, after standardized testing, you know, and then you got placed into that was the first time we ever got placed into like gifted and talented, I think it was called at my school, which is just like crazy that it's based off a standardized is it test. called just like gifted and talented? Yeah, it was called the GT program, gifted and talented. They weren't even, they the, weren't even trying to hide it. it they was, were like, these are the stars. It was dude. classism. Like, it was like within our little <laughs> elementary school, it was classism. I have a story with it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for um but yeah so then we were literally separated from the other kids like i we had our like homeroom teachers yeah same and in fourth grade we like so it was miss Elborn. hey shoddy <laughs> miss you hope you're doing well um but she was our like gt teacher yeah and fourth grade she just taught like reading and writing for us mm -hmm. and then fifth grade she was like our homeroom teacher okay. so like we were like very much separated okay and it was just like an odd odd group of kids and like you could tell like Weirdest it kids. was just like it was all based off test scores right so it's like everyone it, was autistic it was <laughs> I, I mean that was my probably <laughs> that's probably why they're also like odd um but yeah it was just like there were the horse girls were in there the cat girl like that she, was me she, cat girl i was a cat oh because we both read warriors books that's and how i played warriors <laughs> i played warriors at lunch too i would build like little nests out of pine needles and shit we yeah. scoured for acorns <laughs> on the playground. the last den <laughs> yeah that was i remember one time i like drew the like warriors logo and then this kid owen like ripped it in half and it was like the worst day of my life i like sobbed that was in third Drama. grade i do remember that because we were in the mobile did you ever have like mobiles like where your your school was too big so they had to like put you in a literal like mobile home that was like a classroom <laughs> a mobile home it's literally like it wasn't like someone's mobile home obviously but that's like what it's it was like a trailer yes i had them at every school i went to was elementary it just school. one mobile home well at my school it... there were multiple but like it there was like, like two like sides like communities there's... of mobile home classrooms yeah like right outside the school that is crazy. and it was like two classrooms in the middle was a bathroom and then yeah that's wild it was crazy um what was i talking about perfectionism we've already started <laughs> to spiral warriors. <laughs> oh warriors that kid um, owen oh oh yeah yeah backtrack okay yeah but anyway we were separated from everyone else in the gt program and it was just like a constant competition like everything in that class was like 
oh, we would have these like little thought puzzles or whatever from this book. Uh-huh. It was called like stories with holes and you'd have to figure out like what the like issue with the story was. Does that make sense? Like they would tell a story and then be like, but blah, 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 knew this wasn't true. Like how? And you'd have to like track it back and be like, oh, yeah, exactly. And then whoever won that was like revered for the day. Like they were like literally like they were like, oh, my God, they won story with. And then we had this stupid thing called word masters. And they were these like analogy puzzles. But the like the words were like literally pulled straight out of Webster's dictionary. They like pulled to like what's the most random word. And then you had to make an analogy to it. So I'd sit there sobbing at home trying to because I didn't know any of these words. And they were like, this strengthens your vocab. Anyway, going on a tangent. Did you ever do C? Caesar's English. Mm-mm. Okay. What is that? <laughs> it was Latin roots to words, and we had to memorize five like per week. That's crazy. <laughs> we had to do that in eighth grade with this teacher, Mr. Nagel. He was like, like a military leader when it came to his <laughs> class. Like literally the first day of class we walked in and there was this minute by minute schedule on the board and he was like you have 30 seconds to hand in papers 45 seconds to do this and we were like after that apparently he got more chill so i can go took a chill pill or something but that first year it was crazy um but yeah and then i think that gt program kind of like led straight into in middle school it was called aim and the aim kids were definitely separate from like the other kids like that sounds so horrible me saying the other kids but like i did not have a single class with someone who was like not in aim like our is it like ap like yeah ap courses yeah pretty much like it was just like higher level courses yeah this is middle school but it was like pretty much analogous to like ap or ib in high school but like in middle school oh okay, okay yeah and so the only classes i'd have with like kids that weren't in aim would be like electives but like all of my core classes were like aim classes and so you like very much got like separated and i was like like my cousin was like not in aim and i didn't see that kid at school like we went to the same middle school and i didn't see him ever like i don't know how they did that but it was like it was literally a whole different experience um and then some kids were like trashy about it they were like oh you're not an aim like would spit on people and i was like jesus christ um yeah everyone this is how wealth disparity starts. like literally because they've literally shown that your socioeconomic status correlates to your standardized test <laughs> no, scores i just thought of how rich people like only hang hang out with like other rich people and <laughs> literally this starts young yeah Let's just it say starts, this behavior starts young. Because you know if someone didn't get the placement they wanted and they have money, like, they, they put them in there. Yeah, yeah. they, they, they probably donated to the school. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> but then I think by that point, what had shifted for me was it wasn't perfectionism imposed by a system. It was perfectionism imposed by myself. So I oh. think I had, like, become very much like it wasn't pressure at all from my parents or from my teachers like anything it was all like self-imposed perfectionism and i don't know if that's because of like who i am or because i had been a product of the system like what what like you know nature versus nurture type thing like you know was it the environment i was in or was it just like who i was but definitely by middle school because that was when my mom was like you need to go in therapy (laughs) 
she like like she didn't tell me that straight up but now she tells me she was like she was like yeah when you would have those like breakdowns like i thought about putting you in therapy and i was like maybe you should have maybe we'd be better off um have you gone to therapy once (laughs) we tried (laughs) we tried um i need to try again but yeah i went once and i was like "Mm, this isn't for me and then i never went back but that was also when i wasn't as like self-aware so i feel like I kind of was expecting something very specific mm-hmm. out of it. And when that answers. Yeah, I wanted solutions. I, I didn't want them to pick apart my brain, which is like stupid because you yeah. need to pick apart your brain but to like that's the lead sucky to... part about yeah. therapy. <laughs> um so yeah. Then I started having like super bad anxious breakdowns because of it in middle school. And then that kind of like bled into high school when like, you know, of course we're expected to take the max number of AP classes and like also be in sports and also be in extracurriculars because you need to be this like perfect candidate for college and like yeah well around and like volunteer at seven organizations and also you know become I don't know the leader of some sort God's of nonprofit. yeah literally like come <laughs> down from the heavens and kiss Jesus's feet like Jesus I don't know it was just like it was so cr- and it was like i said like at that point though it was i guess those things were not self-imposed where it was like you need to do this this bit like in a way it was because like you didn't need to do that to like go to a good call and like my parents were like you can go like anywhere for college we kind of mm-hmm. just like want you to go to college yeah so i think that the perfectionism aspect of that was very much self-imposed where it was like i need to take the max number of ap classes like i need to do the best in this this and this because like it wasn't my teachers or like anyone else like i guess it was like kind of also the friend group i was in like all of us were kind of that way Mm -hmm. where we were like we wouldn't really compare test scores but like we would very much like compare where we were at like academically and it was like just kind of this underlying like thing of like oh you're not taking that ap class hmm and i was like hmm. it was like a little shady like i won't lie like not like shady like that's not the right word but it was just like oh like it would be like oh you're not taking that ap class like oh well i'll keep my notes for like when you take it like another year it was like and I'm like, oh, I wasn't planning on taking it. But, like, they would just, like, kind of, like, slip it. Like, oh, you should take this AP. Cl-. Like, I don't know. It was just, like, this kind of expectation yeah. that we all. Um, But, yeah. And then I think, you know, I didn't even end up going to some, like, super prestigious college. So, like, was that worth it? No. Um, but, like, I'm not, you know, not trashing on Colorado State, but like it wasn't like I needed to be a 4.0 student to get into CSU. Definitely so, not. Um, Isn't the acceptance rate like it, like 70, it's like 80%? yeah? I was gonna say it's like 82 yeah. percent or something. But for some reason, still in college, the perfectionism continued, despite like Wait, at this mattering. point. At this point, it was like very much like logical brain versus like emotional brain i feel like like literal like basal like lizard brain was like (laughs) was literally like fighting for my life to like be perfect and then my higher conscious was like no like you're fine like you can get a b you can get a c like you'll pass you'll get a degree 
but always in the background was this little lizard brain that was like gnawing at me like you need to be perfect like do everything perfect and what do you know i followed it and i did at what cost um ocd and i think do you think you have ocd Mm. i feel like we gotta get that off the open honestly like no I don't know. I think I'd need to like see someone because I just think that can manifest in a lot of different ways that aren't just like perfectionism. Like I think those two are very different things, you know. Um, And I think like I've taken like, you know, online tests or whatever, and it's kind of like a mixed bag of like what. So like I think Mm -hmm. that's something but like. It's not to the point, I think, like, I think it's if I were, yeah, if I were need to, to get, like, medicated for something, it would be, like, anxiety, not, like, looking in, because I feel like that is more so what my issue is, not, like, yeah, but I don't know. That's something that would need to be investigated at a later date. Because <laughs> I feel um, like if you did have OCD, then the topic of, like, perfectionism would be a very different <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. At that point, we'd just be talking about straight genetics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that it would be a lot of nature, not not a whole lot of nurture. But um, yeah, and then I think even after college, it's like still continued, not to as much of an extent, but I think that's because I don't have like the academic structure for perfectionism to thrive in my life. It's not like what you're used to. The structure isn't what you're used to. Yeah. And it's not like I'm like, even though I'm working now, it's not like I'm constantly receiving like graded feedback. Yeah. So it's like if I receive good feedback like that, like I'm always striving to like, you know, do something like even because I like just as a background, like we majored in bio, so now biology, so now I'm doing like lab research. And with some of the stuff, it'll be like, oh, the cell count should be this. And I'll like do the procedure and it's like close, but it's like not that. And I'm like, I need to do this until it becomes like perfect. So like there still like bleeds in very much. Like it's very much like, you know, good enough isn't good enough. Like it yeah. needs to be like, like perfect. It needs to be the expected. Yeah. Um, and I think also one of my most frustrating issues with perfectionism is how much it's like limited my hobbies. Um, because as you know of me, like I don't like doing things unless I'm good at them. So I don't like trying. Yeah. So I don't like trying new things unless I think I'm going to be good at it. I don't like, you know, putting myself out there unless I'm going to be good at it. But it's like, that is just like how you need to like live life. You need to like put yourself out there. You need to try new things. And I've gotten a little better at it, but it's like, I think that definitely like held me back a lot previously in life where it was like, oh, I should try this. And I was like, oh, I might embarrass myself. Like I might be an embarrassment to all the, like not like, you know, other people or like I might just like get booed or, you know, like there's just all these like fears and that's like all wrapped up in, anxiety too Before we move on yeah i just came up with a juicy question <laughs> oh boy because you said you don't jump into things unless it like meets your expectations how do how do you think that would like translate into like relationships like with friendships <laughs> like would yeah. you would you be hesitant to start like a like a relation any relationship like friendship acquaintance whatever mm-hmm. with someone just because you're 
scared that it won't meet up to your expectation or do you think that it's different i think for me that aspect is a little different just because i think because it is all like self-imposed i feel like even with someone that you know oh the expectations might not be what i think they are like it might be something i'm jumping into that i might not get what i want out of it i still because i feel like for me like people are a little different like i feel like there's always like more below the surface so i'm more willing to like jump into that sort of stuff like there are obvious like certain things that just like oh i'll push it away i'll be like that that ain't my but i think friendships relationships all of that sort of stuff it's like i'm a lot more like lenient isn't the word but i just think like people are a lot more dynamic so i tend to give that more of like a trying period versus like an activity or something like i don't know like if i'm gonna try archery it's like you're good at that or you aren't you know like (laughs) but i feel like a friendship a relationship that can manifest as good in a lot of different ways so it's not like and it doesn't also happen immediately i feel like and like neither i guess does like a skill but I feel like for me, it's friendships, relationships, like anything to do with people. The perfectionism comes with like, how can I be a perfect partner? How can I be a perfect friend for that person? Yeah. And it's not like, how is this person perfect for me? I think is kind of how it gets turned. But I don't really know how much it feels like when I first meet someone, if I'm like, I don't know if it really affects because I feel like I'm kind of more of a as much as I don't know that's also something I've come to realize I always thought I was such an introvert but like I do kind of like talking to people and like getting to know people and like Crazy. yeah it's just like it's really and like even now with my current job I'm like I need a job where I have more people like mm-hmm. person interaction because mm-hmm. I'm literally getting driven insane um so yeah but I don't know I think that with relationships, yeah, it's like different than it has been with jumping into like skills or things like that, because I know I can be good at a friendship or relationship. Like I've done it in the past. Mm. It's not like a new skill, you know? Like you've worked on it. Yeah. And like there are new things I'll encounter, I'm sure, but it's not like, oh, why don't we try throwing a javelin for the first time? Like it's not like a totally new thing that I've never done in my life before. I don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know why that was the first skill that came to my brain. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you, like, how do you approach in term? Because I think, like, you have also aspects of perfectionism. Like, I think that's why this would be oh, kind of a juicy. Okay, okay. Are we, are we reversing it? I back? think you're pulling a Uno reverse. Uno reverse. Okay. Yeah, about like, okay. actually, let's just start should, should from we, the should beginning. Should we talk about my, Your my gifted, talented? Yeah. Program. Okay. Yeah. First of all, I cannot believe that your program literally called you all the gifted and talented. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No, it's out of pocket. Okay. But mine isn't that much better because we are called Excel. <laughs> <laughs> We called ourselves the Excellians, <laughs> which is so problematic, bro. <laughs> so many things. Okay. So <laughs> problem number uno <laughs> was when 
I was transferring from private school to public school and I get shoved in a room and my parents are like, take this test. <laughs> Turns out, years later, <laughs> it's an IQ test. <laughs> of course it was. And you had to hit like an IQ benchmark in order for you to get placed into the Excel program. Problem number two. <laughs> <laughs> they put the Excel kids, which are all, you know, of very good socioeconomic yeah. backgrounds. <clears throat> In the failing school of the district. Mm. <laughs> Interesting combo. If you can put the dots together, you're like, okay, smart kids, socioeconomic backgrounds, money into poor school. So already. There's some issues. Off, the foundation is shaky. Starting off. The Excel kids already think, oh, my God, you know, mommy, daddy's rich. I'm smart. All these other kids are. And so I think what was like the underlying kind of theme or just the undertones of the whole thing was that the Excel kids were just like your class was kept apart from all the other kids. And the times we did get to interact, the Excel kids were very uppity. Yeah. Like we acted like all the other kids, like it's so weird for us to hang with them. Like it's weird to talk to them. Like they're on like a different level and we can't have a good conversation. It teaches us such like horrific (laughs) social skills at such a young age because it's like you're already developing this mentality when you don't even know it of like, oh, I can't relate to people that are like different than me. Yes. Like it's so (laughs) messed up because you're like, And it's, like, also this mentality of, you know, in our society, rich getting richer. Like, how does that happen? Because they, like, want to keep being put on this pedestal. And, like, we got that same stuff with, like, getting praised as, like, gifted. Yep. Like, of course we wanted to be in that club because yep. we'd rather be inside the club than outside of it. So, like, yep. you got to act the part. Yep. Exactly. Anyway. That is how that works. Yeah. <laughs> so, all the... um almost autistic kids are all together we all interact together (laughs) yes and so as you can imagine weird kids getting weirder (laughs) in that class because we aren't facing the outside world yeah so we had just like tangent but some weird things that we did here we go we we had a marketplace in our fifth grade classroom. We started this like um this unit on ads and we had to like film our own ad and like make our own ads and then it just like took off because then we're like, "Oh my god, we know how to make ads now." So it all started with this girl Victoria. She stuck a flyer on the front of the door and said, "Join my dragon club." And then after that all these ads started popping up. <laughs> every... Don't give fifth graders <laughs> no, advertising. No, listen. It, everyone in the class starts selling stuff. Capitalism. Capitalism <laughs> has dug its claws into the youth of America. Capitalism starts in this fifth grade class. <laughs> After that was auctions. <laughs> I created this basket of goodies. Tell you, I'm telling you, it's literally, it was like 
five to ten dollars worth of like candy okay me and my mom went to walmart and bought candy i made a gift basket out of it and then i auctioned it off for twenty dollars Profit, baby. Profit. I just want to apologize to whoever's <laughs> child came home $20 for. The basket of candy from Walmart. <laughs> the basket of candy. Did you even throw in some nice, like, Toblerone or anything? Or was it all just, like, Walmart? Candy? It was, like, gum. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't even candy. It wasn't even good gum. It no. was, like, Hubba Bubba. <laughs> Okay, how about was kind of fire though? Like the flavor's gone after like a minute, but like the chewiness unmatched. But a side story based <clears throat> off of that, we also had a marketplace in third grade where we had to like make our own goods and uh-huh. then sell them. Uh-huh. But we didn't use actual currency. So we just had like little, you know, whatever, which like I don't know if that's much better because like is our money real anyway? I don't know. <laughs> um <laughs> It's just a piece of paper. But then also, in fifth grade, we went to this thing called Young Ameritown. And in Young Ameritown, you got assigned a role in the town based off of your skill set. So I was an accountant in the auto shop because I was good at math. Oh, man. And you literally had to go and, like, work an eight-hour day. And, like, you only got, like, a lunch break. Like, it was literally, like, it was a capitalism. Taste. It was like, a it taste was, of corporate America. Like, actually. And I'm sitting there, like, balancing checks in the back of this auto shop. And I'm like, what is my... And we had to, like, dress up for... And it was literally, like, a a small town. Like, you walked into this building that, like, looked unsuspecting from the outside. But you walked in, and it was, like, a small town. And there was, like, a mayor who was, of course, like, the popular kid. Like, he was the mayor. And then there was, like, the police who were, like, you know, the people now who are, like, probably actually cops and were, like, super scary. Um, (laughs) Like, the bullies, low-key. Um, but then there were the people that got to work in the sweet shop and it was like, la, 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 la. And then there was me who got put as an accountant in the auto shop. <laughs> like literally, I didn't even get to like work on cars or anything. I was just shoved to the back. Um, and they were like, this person came in, like balance it. It was anyway, but those are my two tangents about capitalism at a young age. So anyway, back to your background. It's a perfectionist. Well, we had. Okay, I didn't actually participate in this, but I was told about this. I feel like I've told this to you before. This is the darkest secret of the Excel class, okay? This is insider information. We had a day, and it was dedicated to this activity called the Underground Railroad. (laughs) I need everyone to just think for a second what this could possibly be. And mind you, this was like the favorite day of the year because you were actually in class. You were just doing this activity. You like ran around the, the school in the parking lot. Okay, so... Now that we've thought about it for a few seconds. Now that you can kind of guess how this goes, we had the classroom split up and we had the underground railroad workers. Okay, we know what that what that is. We had the slave catchers and the slaves. 
Also, keep in mind, I feel like an important note is you grew up in Indiana. So, like, that also... Southern Indiana. A real distinction. (laughs) Southern Indiana, 30 minutes from Kentucky. (laughs) That is an important context for this. We're a little too close to the (laughs) South. (laughs) Okay. But also still in the Union. (laughs) I was going to say, you're still north of the Mason-Dixon line, so, like... Not like this is excusable anywhere, but like, once again, what was this, the 2010s and we're still reenacting the Underground Railroad? Like, come on now. Let's be better. So the slaves had to run around the school and the Underground Railroad people had to help them escape. And then you had the slave catchers and, of course, this one kid who is, like, very much racist, as we all figured out later on, was a slave catcher. So he took his job a little too seriously. This is all kinds of wrong. Like, and what, how old were you? Fourth grade? Yes. <laughs> Again, I was not there at the time. Oh, yeah, that's right. You I didn't transferred do it. You, halfway you through the it. year, I but see. I heard about it secondhand. And then years later, I said, hmm, <laughs> that's another, a little problematic. Another problematic thing we did, we reenacted Ellis Island. We pretended to be immigrants into America. <laughs> I kid you not. And we literally, they told us, like, dress up in shabby clothing and, like, pre- like literally look poor is what they told. Like, not in those words. But, like, and we showed up to school. And, of course, circling back to perfectionism, I was stressed out. My outfit wasn't going to be good enough. Well, that's also probably because I was... <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, the show. Um, I was, like, wanting my outfit to be, like accurate to the period or whatever so i did all this research about like what people wore when they went to ellis island and it's like jesus christ but anyway and we had to pick your nationality which problematic (laughs) problematic and then dress up and then no not like dress up as the like but like once you got there they were like what's your nationality and you could just pick like literally of anything um, I remember. I was just gonna say the what was that the RTCA the transracial community is. Have you heard of that? No. <laughs> it's the people on TikTok who are literally trying to like switch races, and there's like subliminal, <laughs> there's subliminal messaging videos on YouTube for people to get a monolid like an Asian eye. So. Anyway, um, what is our form? They're cheering right now. <laughs> They're like, oh, no, I wish I could do that. <laughs> They're like, I want to go to your school. Um, but yeah, me and my friend, we were Brazilian. Why we picked that, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think she had family that was from Brazil. I don't know. But I was just along for the ride. But you said okay, too. I was like low key in love with her. That was probably why, because I was like, it's... I'll do whatever. Um, and then we just became the people that would, like, pick up the, like, single people. Because, like, friend groups would, like, organize into their, like, families, right? Uh-huh. But there would be, like, single people that were, like, didn't have friends or, like, their friends, whatever. So we yeah. just, like, picked up people. By the end, we had nine children. <laughs> so we started out just us. And we just picked up people along the way. 
And then we had to go through immigration with our nine children and on the spot come up with names for all of them. And also the ship through LSI. We literally got up and then we had like the school bus loop. Yeah. And then we got on the bus and we went around the loop five times and then we landed in Ellis Island and then we went to the gym and then like went through immigration and like I bet they painted it as like, our it's height an easy and like yeah to get into the country. No, that was just, like they did not give us any they were just like this they, is how people immigrated to the United oh, States. They don't, they the don't best t- country ever. We it was so easy. La 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 la. They don't tell you that the US actually hates yeah. Immigrants of any kind, especially. Um, so anyway, I don't know how we got on Ellis. Oh, you were talking about the darkest secret of Excel. Just reminded that we had to reenact feudalism. Oh, we did that too. (laughs) Did you do that? Yeah, okay. We did like um, the vassals, is that what they're called? The vassals had to draw perfect like stars. And who are the people who oversaw the vassals? I don't know. Were they like lords? Like, yeah, isn't yeah, yeah. that what lords, they were? Lords. Yeah. lords would then like, they would like assess your um, star drawing. And if they thought your star wasn't perfect, they could tell you to start over. <laughs> so it was like 10 stars and you get like one coin. <laughs> and then we'd be able to buy food. <laughs> and then the peasants, what did they do in this system? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Peasants? It was peasants. Oh, peasants, vassals. vassals. Oh, no, no. Then... Okay, I switched it. Peasants oh. are drawing the stars. Okay, I was like, if you're drawing the stars, what are the peasants doing? <laughs> Thinking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, peasants are drawing the stars. Yeah. Vassals are overseeing it. And okay. then they had to, like, pay the lords. Yeah. What was and, that And called? then some kids got, like, a very big ego boost from becoming the lords and the vassals of course they did so we had like it was honestly like a microcosm of like capitalist behavior because the kids in charge would just like you would draw like one tiny line off and they'd be like start over (laughs) and you'd have to redraw it's like the literal like harvard prison experiment like i know that's fake but like that was the power trip that was about to start happening another thing we did we reenacted the caste system from india yeah that's (laughs) problematic as yeah they literally assign people you're an untouchable (laughs) <laughs> like i kid you not you had to wear a sign on your head that's that and you so you didn't know what cast you were in and you just had like a card on your head and people would treat you as you as like you should be treated and we just walked around going, why did we reenact the cast system we also had an argument one day this is so random but we learned about like the four main dynasties of ancient china mm-hmm. and we had like a class argument about which one was the best so why why did we do that (laughs) like can we just learn the history (laughs) like i feel like we need to have a whole episode about just like racist things that our schools made us do yeah i got a lot of those stories especially from indiana i'm sure but anyway circling back to your journey in perfectionism (laughs) coming back to i think i had a pretty similar yeah experience though because we were like all in both of us were in like a ton of extracurriculars and it was always like 
this is like to make you well-rounded so that you like know how to do a lot of stuff and i don't know i feel like they planted the idea of college also very young yeah i think like sixth seventh grade and i think for me it was also younger because i had an older sibling like he was six years older yeah so he was like already talking and like my family was already talking about that stuff like really early yeah so and i have a lot of older cousins too so it was like Mm -hmm. in the sphere like very early Mm. i think it (laughs) i just think the the pressure like really started whenever they started asking you like what do you want to be when you grow up yeah yeah that question and then you're like holy shit what am i good at and also (laughs) like why do we need to feel like one of my favorite memories from like being a swim coach is i had this this was like the good old day i coached like the five and six year olds this year and this i didn't ask her what she wanted to be when she grew up but she was just like talking to me she was like she's like oh blah 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 like coach kyle like i want to tell you like what i want to be when i grow up and i'm like okay i'm like shoot like tell me what you want to yeah. be she's like so i either want to be a dog walker or That's an american okay. ninja warrior okay or a painter yeah or a vet <laughs> i was like you do it i was like you do all of those things <laughs> like be those go things. be on american yeah. ninja warrior if you want to yes. but like I just feel like that is so, I don't know. That's, like, before you get forced into this tunnel of, like, what do you want to be? And then, like, also judged for what you, like, I feel like that's the thing. Like, you were saying, like, not only thinking about what am I good at, but also what am I good at that's, like, a marketable skill, which is insane that you think about that at such a young age. Because it's, like, I feel like kids are, like, already taught what's valuable and not valuable in our society like so young which is crazy true anyway (laughs) (laughs) back on your journey i keep pulling you away (laughs) i'll shut up until you finish (laughs) (laughs) but yeah extracurriculars did a ton of those but i think so i was also in a ton of ap classes but i think uh, maybe like junior year high school was when like people got to like select what ap classes they wanted to actually take and so i like actually chose to take some classes that were different from other people um a either because i was interested or b i just like wanted a challenge which uh <laughs> chemistry was a challenge so was calculus i literally i think i got a one on one of those exams maybe it was chemistry i think i died in that i heard the ap i did not take chem but or ap chem but i heard that was horrific we it was too much yeah. <laughs> it was way too much the worst teacher then, ever also taught at our school like, like i had a good teacher like he was fun but I got to like college chemistry and I was like, this is so much easier. Like, what the heck? What the heck? Yeah. Um, I think I had a little less. Mm, I don't, I don't want to say that. <laughs> Definitely like not a lot of pressure on like what classes you were taking, but a lot of pressure on like. Honestly, kids like talked about their AP scores a lot. Yeah. They'd be like, I got a five. Yeah. And I'd be like. <laughs> so i, I that did was, it <laughs> so i think that was the moment when i was like oh i'm not as smart yeah. as i seem 
<laughs> and so I think then I like my brain started churning and I was having that this like crisis and I was like oh my god I'm not like a smart kid mm. and I think you could also bring like obviously they're like maybe some racial factors involved because it was like oh you're the Asian kid like kids would come to me for help on their math homework and I'm like you have yeah. better grades than I do <laughs> I don't know what to tell you yeah but your racial stereotype is not gonna help you <laughs> in this instance yeah it's gonna get you in trouble so I don't know maybe it was like internalized like model minority like I need to you know succeed yeah to, like make my family proud or something like that mm -hmm. or maybe like a combination of that plus like me not being the smartest person and then being like oh my god I need to overcompensate in different ways and I think that's where I really saw like the last like few years of high school I was really striving for like leadership positions. Mm. So I was like, okay, if I can't be the smartest, then I can be, I can be a leader. Yeah. You know, it's like I can be, um, I don't know, charismatic in some way. I feel like I'm not very charismatic, but it's like, That's I feel one. like, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I, I was like, I can, lead people i can be a great leader and then that transferred on into college where i was like okay you know as you know like grades were grades yeah. mattered to me but like not as much mm -hmm. as they do you and for me it was like okay get involved first like that was kind of my big thing. I was like, okay, I want to be involved. I want to do a bunch of stuff. I want to like know people and then and then it transferred into like later on like, I need leadership positions, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's interesting, though, because I, just from an external perspective, even though, like, we definitely had, like, different priorities, but you still very much had, like, a lot of perfectionism when it came to those, like, leadership positions. Oh, like, yeah, that's exactly would, where my perfectionism yeah. is. Like, you would, like, like, I just remember sitting on the couch and you'd be, like, designing like a poster for some mm -hmm. sort of event and you'd be like is this color scheme good and we'd be like yeah like looks great and then you'd like work on it a little more and you're like what about this one and we're like yeah like i like i like that blah 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 mm -hmm. and you and you would just like sit there and work like and that's just literally like a single poster like i can't imagine how many other tasks and stuff you would like sit there oh, yeah. and like look over and like do multiple iterations for so i feel like we very much like directed our perfectionism in very like different ways yeah. but um also side note what was your requirement at school to like be a valedictorian in high school do you remember wasn't it 4.0 was that it yeah because at our school <laughs> oh you had did to, you have the weight you had to have we had weighted oh. but you had to have a 4.0 you oh, had ours to take, was like three ap classes <laughs> you had to take some sort some amount of ap classes you had to take this weird what is it called? It wasn't study hall. That wasn't what it was called. What's like a round table discussion seminar? Seminar. Um, you had to take specific AP classes in addition to like the number, you had oh, to take specific ones. ones. And then you had to take like the final AP class in multiple subjects. So like for math, it was like AP 
<clears throat> calculus or like an AP language. Like mm. you had to do like all of this stuff. And you also had to have like volunteer hours. And like, I'm just like. That's so much. I gave up the ghost after like sophomore year. I was like, I'm not about to do all that. <laughs> like, no, thank you. And still we had like 19 valedictorians. Like, I don't think we had that much. Like, what? Like, we did not have that much. And then, like, freshman year, I remember, like, after getting my first report card, because, like, the first semester I did get, like, <clears throat> all A's, and then it showed your class rank, you know? And then it was, like, unweighted class rank, one of however many. Oh, yeah. And then one of my friends, she got, like, one B that semester, and her class rank was like, because like all the 4.0 people were like technically first. Yeah. And then her class rank was like 233rd. So that many people have <laughs> like, it was crazy. I just feel like it was very much this environment that just fostered this like perfectionist thought. Yeah. And that is why it manifested in such an extreme way for me because it was like, it was obviously all very self-imposed, but I think there were always these like residual cues being inputted that like reinforced it. Like if it were in a different environment where like it was almost like de-escalated, I think it could have been a very different outcome. But like and it wasn't like it was as bad as it could have been. Like I wasn't in a school where it was like our scores are posted everywhere or like yeah if you do this you get this treatment like right, all of that right. but like it definitely could have been better i feel like in that sort of term of like i don't know i just yeah. don't think we need to foster that sort of environment i have kids. a question so what do you in your opinion what do you think what do you think society gains when it pushes for people who are perfectionists I think it gains, like, I don't know, because I was, like, thinking about this question about, like, what are the benefits to perfectionism? And I think it gains people who, like, this is going to sound really, like, kind of bleak, but that fit into, like, as cogs in the machine a lot easier. Because hmm. I think, like, perfectionism leads you to become a better, like, just like that, like cog in the machine. Like it doesn't like. Like, it, it, like are you saying like, it, it makes it molds people into like a one dimensional? I just think like, yeah, like maybe not like like single path, but very much like this path you choose, like you're gonna do it well. Like I think that, and it's also like you're gonna do it well even to your detriment. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Because, like, there are so many people that, like, myself included, will, like, do work. And I think, like, very much your, you included as well, will do work to your own detriment. To where it's, like, you didn't need to go that far. And, like, that's something I've really tried to work on. I don't know if this is tied into perfectionism. But, like, now working, like, a full-time job, it's, like, I work my 40 hours. And that's, like, that's it. That's it. Like, I don't need to do anything else. Okay. I don't need to do anything outside. And so I feel like that's the biggest thing that society gains from like like fostering this perfectionism is like people just fit into our workforce model a lot better mm -hmm. than like if there was a little more wiggle room with it. So for me, when I when I think of like what is like a positive trait 
or like what is something associated with perfectionism and I think very often what I think of is like if you're a perfectionist you're very hardworking, right and I think I think that in the system that we've kind of created it's like people it needs people that are a hardworking and b trustworthy so in order so it molds people into this kind of very super trustworthy super hardworking perfectionist person and so in that way you know the upper tier can do less work all the workers are then self-regulating and keeping themselves in check to be a perfectionist and that upper tier just to, gets to like reap the benefits with little rewards but of course this is like you know we've kind of baked this into everything that now we're starting so young at these like gifted and talented programs and we're baking it into these children that's like you need to regulate yourself and keep yourself in check so that you can be hardworking, trustworthy, all the things that we want in like a worker in our society. Yeah. And I completely just, agree. Yeah. And it, it's just like perfectionism, I feel like is a view that is just completely just one dimensional because like you were saying with how you approach like relationships with people like you don't bring perfectionism into it, right? Because you you recognize that, you know, the person that you're approaching is multidimensional, like they have flaws and stuff like that. So you approach with a lot of compassion and leniency and like curiousness. But when you then turn that lens to yourself, all of a sudden you're like, I need to be good at this. You know, yeah. I need to be the best at blank. I need to be the better version of blank. And I just think that's so interesting that we have this lenient, like colorful view of the outside world and people around us. But then when we reflect it on ourselves, it's like a switch. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, we can only be this one dimensional, perfect version of ourselves that we think that we should be. And I guess my question is, like, for you to to be a perfectionist and to strive constantly for your expectations, like, what does that do for you? Like, what do you what do you think that does for you? Like, how do you feel whenever you you work towards that? I mean. <clears throat> I think this doesn't really answer the question. I'll get to the answer. But I think one thing that I was thinking of while you were asking all of that and talking about it is we always got told um, this is like a really odd connection. But when we learned about road rage in driving school, mm -hmm. when people were like, oh, you'll always give more leniency to yourself than like another driver. Mm -hmm. Like if someone cuts you off, you're going to be like, oh, my God, this like jerk just cut me off, blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you cut someone off, you're like oh, like, sorry, they understand, like, I'm I'm just having a single bad, like, it's like the whole I'm having a bad day versus, like, you're a terrible person. So, like, circumstances versus, like, personality. And I think for me as a perfectionist, that sort of, the narrative gets, like, flipped almost to where it's, like, if someone does something that I can very much recognize, like, I feel like I give so much more leniency to other people than I do myself. Yeah. 
where it's like, oh, you didn't, you didn't show up for me like this that one time. Like that's completely fine. Like you'll do it next time. Yes. Like blah blah blah. Whereas for me, if it's like my friend is going through something, and maybe they tell me, hey, like I wish you would have handled that this way. Like like thank you for your effort. I wish you would have done it this way. That for me is like you know failure. Like I failed. Yeah. Like. And that really like brings me down. And so I think that is super interesting how that narrative gets kind of flipped where it's like we aren't as lenient with ourselves as we are with other people. But like I feel like human nature should be that you're like more lenient with yourself than you are Mm -hmm. with others. Um, So I don't know if that's just a byproduct or a like issue related to perfectionism. But I think that also ties into anxiety a lot too where like – you just are constantly looking like at yourself with this like sort of altered lens. Um, But back to your question about like, what does perfectionism do to me? I think it like, it's almost now turned into like kind of like an addiction. (laughs) Like when I do something to what I consider a perfect standard, which like doesn't exist obviously, Mm But, like, those few times that I've gotten, like, a perfect score on a test, like, oh, that shit feels good. Mm. Like, it's literally, like, a drug. Yeah. Like, I can't even describe, like, I don't know what chemical is, what dopamine is, that what it is, whatever your reward center is. Yeah. That is getting fed. Like, mama's having a feast up there. Like, it feels so good. Like, I can't even describe the feel. Or it's, like... I don't know, like, it's just, like, this euphoric feeling almost, but it's so short-lived. So you basically Pavlovian trained like, your, yourself to love perfect scores? Yes, but it's also, it doesn't just come with, like, perfect, and I think that is why my love language has developed into words of affirmation, because that is how my perfectionism can most be, like, fed, because when people are like, you did this so well, you did this like wonderful thing, like so well. Like it's just like I eat that shit up. Like oh my god, it's so amazing. And I think, but then it's also it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because when that happens, it's like oh this is amazing, but it's so short lived. And then it's like oh, but what about next time? Like, am I gonna am I do gonna better do- next time? Yeah. How yeah. am I gonna do better? I'm perfect now. I can't do this again. And so it like. It is. It becomes like a very high high to like a very low low of like, shit, like now how do I deal with this? And that was something that I think was the hardest when I had a lot of like throughout like middle school, early high school. And there's a lot of like emotional dysregulation, I feel like, whether it was like hormonal fluctuations, like whatever was happening, I like couldn't regulate those shifts from like that high high to that low low of like I did so well and I like I wouldn't even be able to like live in that moment because I was like already anticipating the next thing I had to like worry about being perfect at if that makes sense but now I'm like still like trying to train myself out of the perfectionism so I feel like the next step in the plan is to like revel a little bit in like the successes before I like focus on but I don't know I think that for me is like what 
I get out of being a perfectionist and why it keeps like why my brain keeps feeding into it because it is like I think it literally does feed into my reward center when things do go well but perfection is obviously something you don't achieve so it's like it's almost like that unattainable goal that you've set yourself and so therefore you can constantly be striving to achieve it yeah. and like every step closer you feel like you get to it it's just like euphoric yeah hmm. yeah <laughs> lizard brain <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean related to perfectionism one thing i want to ask you is like how do you think us growing up in the world of the internet has like fed into perfectionism because i feel like oh, for sure we are very like we almost have a dual persona because we can be a different person yeah. online like i feel like instagram is such a <clears throat> such a like it's like the epitome of perfectionism like i i get all this oh my god i could go off about the you know like the dumps how we started like oh let me just okay so instagram we already know like literally like three years ago was like let me craft this like image right let me craft this image let me face tune myself let me face tune my body it's like all going to look the way that i want it to i can now put filters things can be colored the way i want it to even though it doesn't actually look that way and it's like i can now like retouch and like take things out of the picture and so now you have this like perfectly packaged you know photo that you present to instagram now, instead of that, we, our generation has switched to dumps, but I think what is so devious about dumps is the, the whole point, it's almost like that no makeup makeup look, mm -hmm. right? It's the dumps are these highly curated photos that people are now presenting as uncurated, um, what's the word like free candid yeah um photos that they just so happen to take and you have no idea that they stood there like over their you know latte like shaking their phone so that they can get that perfect like blurry pic yeah it's like now instead of like oh we all know that instagram is you know repackaged and is the perfect version of what people are presenting now we're like Oh, but it's not. We're trying to sell it as it's not. And I feel like that's where the internet has really started to shift towards. And I think perfectionism, instead of being so open about the perfectionism, about like, you know, because we're already, you know, um, like as we are being more open, opening dialogue about, you know, the internet being you know, the 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 place for perfectionism to thrive now all of a sudden we're shifting to oh but we're not we're not perfect but yeah. like you know whatever it's like it's like i this is just like me posting my bare face but it's still me in like the best angle that you could possibly yeah. see one thing that i so i don't know if i can be the best source on this because i never had it but one thing that i think relates to that is the like very dramatic rise and fall of Be Real because I feel like that was the app 
Okay. That was supposed to be yes, like be real the real social media. And then I think okay, this is this is what I saw on Be Real. This is what I saw happen. And I like was on there for a very short time and just fell off. So I'm for me personally, like I'm happy to admit that like when it comes to Instagram, I love like curating that like great post. Mm -hmm. Like I love fitting an aesthetic. I love creating the caption. Like that whole process is part of like my like creativity yeah um i like doing that but when it came to b-real and when i joined b-real at first it was really cool because everyone was like oh my god like it's i don't know when we all downloaded it but it was like during a time when like people were all like hanging out and it was all cool and stuff and people were like oh look be real like me with my friends you know whatever and then it turned into you had the people who were actually being real. <laughs> and then it turned into be fake. <laughs> and then it turned into, yeah, and that's what I turned it into because that's what I was, I like to do because I was like, oh my God, it saves your like memories. And so I was like, oh, I want all of my memories to be like super cool. Yeah. And so I would only choose times where I was like around people or I was like having fun or because I was also traveling at that time. Like, and when I'm traveling, and then you had the people who were actually being real. And I know one person who is, like, actually real the whole time. And they would always post, like, <laughs> me in bed. <laughs> me doing homework. <laughs> yeah. Me with my laptop. And I think that reality, like, hit some people really hard. Yeah. Where it's like, this is what I'm doing all hours of the day. B-roll sets off at like random times of the day and it's like the amount of times where I'm like actually with people or am I actually doing something interesting is very slim. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like for the most part, I am doing homework. I'm sleeping. I am staying up late doing something dumb. And it's just like, I think people, B-roll was too real. Yeah. And it was that realization of like, I am all of a sudden uncomfy with sharing what exactly I do throughout the day. Yeah. Because it's not what people think. And people are going to think I, – I think that, like, voice in the back of my head was, like, if I'm constantly showing that I am – on my phone or I'm watching Netflix or I'm like chilling in bed and not doing anything. Like people are going to think I'm like stupid. Yeah. Like that I don't have hobbies, that I'm antisocial, that I don't have the life that, you know, I'm trying to portray. And I think that's why B-roll just went. Whoop, yeah. And it flopped. Yeah. No, I just for like as an outsider perspective, I think that that, is very like true because it's like and then also when we were doing something people would be like oh i wish be real would go off right now and it's like why like be here be in the moment like why are, why, why do we need to broadcast so it to social media yeah and it's the same thing with the like tiktok day in the life videos you know mm -hmm. 
And it's like, that's not a oh, day in your life. Girl, like, I have experience with that too. Because you you remember when I was in my TikTok right? Oh yeah. no, that was so embarrassing. Okay, so Anping was in her TikTok phase um many years ago and she amassed some level of followers. <laughs> she had she had some followers. She had some followers and I I think this is the time where I come clean about it, but like definitely day in the life videos i picked days where i felt like was going to be more interesting and i also picked moments that were more interesting so just letting you know that like if you're not if that person isn't letting you fall follow them around for like 24 hours a day it's probably they're probably curating it honestly because that's what gets views yeah do another thing i most recently saw which like is unsurprising, but um, like even like singing videos on TikTok, people are like taking the audio and then like taking it out, editing it, like applying the like mm -hmm. tuning, like pitch correcting, like all of that, and then putting it back as like a voiceover on the video. And so it's just like further feeding into like even these videos that are supposed to just be like people just like singing, like raw singing are not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like why like why yes. does once again everything need to be perfect yes for this like image and it's just like it's so frustrating because i do wish i could have some sort of social media where i could just like see people's like real lives but i also don't want that for myself so it's like how is it fair for me to want that for well, like also, other like, people also like when when people are when there are streamers that are like broadcasting 24 hours of the day like that's so like i don't know my feeling for that is that it's like unethical yeah it's like they're like a zoo animal yeah so it's like even though we want something that is real on the internet like when it is real and we are watching them all hours a day like it's weird then you take a step back and you're like, mm, like why this is we? a real person like yeah. why are we watching so, them like this so my thing is like i i get that like the internet is a super curated place but at the same time it's like i think the if you want the realness like you need to focus on yourself right mm -hmm. like i feel like you need to focus in on your own life and instead of trying to achieve or like find that realness online in a place where you you know couldn't possibly be real like i don't know it just doesn't make sense for people to go online and search for things that are like completely unedited or whatever like even this podcast like just to get the sound levels right like i have to go through a whole another program to make sure that things equalize yeah so you know things are not as they seem and it's just sad that we've come to the point where people can't just like ask the dumb questions and like talk about it just you know person to person instead we go on like i don't know reddit and we look for like the the greatest packaged answer that yeah. we want to want to like digest but yeah that's my your two cents on that's it that's my two cents on the internet <clears throat> yeah 
I think it's definitely just like once again, but another form of curated perfectionism because like it makes it easy to make your life appear perfect, right? Yeah. And so like it's not hard for anyone to because like even me, like I don't I'm not very active on social media, like in terms of posting and everything. Mm -hmm. I would say like I'm pretty active in terms of like being on it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of posting, I'm not. But it still is very easy for me to like curate what I want my life to look like online. And people will fill in the gaps, you know, like even if I'm not posting every day, even if there's six months in between, it's like, oh, you post about this trip. And then earlier you post about this Halloween party you went to six months earlier. And it's like, oh, in between, he must be going to all these parties, like going on all these fun vacations, like spending stuff. And so like people will automatically fill in the gaps. And I think that is just like what's so dangerous because it's like you shouldn't be expected to like live an eventful, amazing life like every single day. Like we need to just like rot sometimes, <laughs> like literally better, like literally. Um, but another thing I thought of when we were talking about that is kind of related to the internet but it is something i'm struggling with right now and it's perfectionism and online dating because once again you curate this image of yourself in your online dating profile mm -hmm. and other people do the same and it's like there's also i could go on a whole rant about this but like finding someone that's perfect for you Oh, you know, feeling like you're perfect for yeah. that person. And I think that like, I don't know. I just think online dating has made it so, I guess maybe not online dating in general, but the apps that I have had experience with, like Tinder, Hinge, yeah. are ones that I've like most had experience with. It makes it just so easy to have a standard of perfection mm -hmm. because you can be looking through someone's profile and you're like oh i like this picture i like this whatever and then you're like oh but they like seafood <laughs> maybe <laughs> not <laughs> yeah maybe not maybe we'll then they're like i'll find someone perfect who likes who like doesn't like seafood just like me yeah. and then you like go through and you're like oh, da, da, da. oh they don't like seafood but they're a cat person left and yeah. it's just like it's about this idea of yeah. finding this perfect person and also the crazy part about that and like what I've tried to start doing is like, yes. So like people are always now like don't settle, right? Which like mm -hmm. I completely agree with. Like know your worth. Don't settle for someone that like doesn't make you happy. Don't settle for someone that like upfront has all these like very valid red flags. Like that's not what I'm saying. But like, okay, so acknowledge your self-worth, but also acknowledge your humanity and others' humanity. Like, at the end of the day, we are all humans. And if someone has a few things that don't, you don't think align, like, I just feel like people aren't perfect for you. They, like, are perfect to grow with you, if that makes sense. Like, you have yeah. compatible personalities that will grow well together. And, like, you can have some things that you disagree upon, but, like, you, like, learn how to grow from that versus, like, Oh, like it's like not like a perfect like line for line match where it's yeah. like he likes this, I like this, he likes this, I like this. We like to travel, so let's travel together. Right. And it's like 
I just think there has to be some more room for it. Because, like, I always think about if I were to meet someone, like, in person, and this is another thing back to my point about, like, giving other people leniency versus myself, I think that because it's online, I do not, like, I'm better about it now, but I did not give other people leniency. It was like, if I would have met them in person, some of that wouldn't have been revealed until later when there already might be some sort of connection. And it's like, I'm more likely to continue it despite what I find out. Whereas all of this stuff, you know, real or not, is put on the table right away. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, maybe not. And it's, like, made it so easy to just, like, swipe left. Whereas, like, if you're in a social interaction, you're not just going to be like, ooh, bye. Like, some people might. And I mean, like, I guess more power to you. Like, can't could not be me. Like, I could not end a conversation like that. But I just think it's just created this fear of, like, once again, feeding into perfectionism where you think you have to find this, like, perfect partner that aligns with all of your, like, interests and all of this stuff and like should it be compatible yes but like perfect i think it's almost like it's also just programmed people to then look for the red flags yeah you know like instead of being like oh, okay you know despite some of these things that may not match my you know ideal list like this person seems really cool but now it's like oh i'm gonna look for things because i found myself doing that like my on my time on dating apps it was like like me meeting some like really cool people but then when i like meet them a person it's like you're not as tall as i thought you would be and then in my brain i was like oop i don't want to see them again yeah it was so bad and i like feel really bad about that now like in hindsight but um i think unfortunately we've just kind of trained ourselves to that point i guess sucks <laughs> yeah i don't it's just like it's so difficult too because i just think with like an online dating profile like making one myself like, I put so much thought into it. Like, I don't know how much other people do. But, like, I don't know if you remember. But, like, one of our friends, like, told me, like, oh, download Hinge. Like, it's a much better app than Tinder. Like, I find it more, like, user-friendly. Like, all this stuff. So, I, like, one night I just downloaded it. And we were all sitting downstairs. And <laughs> I was, like, making my profile as we were doing it. And I don't know if it was you or someone else, like, but they were like, oh, like, can I see your profile? And I was like, I'm still choosing my first picture. <laughs> like, I literally could not, like, it was so hard. And like, eventually I was just like, you know, whatever, like, let's just choose like this, this, this one. But it's just like, once again, just like, it's a form of social media, right? Like, you want to portray your best self. And, you know, I just, it's like not real and that's what makes it so hard for me where it's like now I think I almost immediately if I like match with someone um like I haven't been on it lately but going forward I think like this new outlet like if I match with someone I'm gonna try and like meet up with them in person ASAP yeah so not, it's not like not I'm because I think yeah like I think as the more you're in that like talking phase without meeting them, you develop this sort of idea of what mm -hmm. they are and what you want them to be. And it's so much easier to align with that when you're over text or whatever. Yeah. 
And so I think it's like, I need to like separate the like version of them that's in the app versus like the real version, like a lot quicker versus like building up this image. And then like you said, like you meet them in person and you're like, ooh, you're not who I thought you were going to be. And then it's just like immediately like, ooh, whereas it could be like, oh, like this is a surprise. Like you're not who I thought you were going to like, you know, like it's just like very much like how you could look at it. And, like, obviously some things, like, you see them and you're, like, oh, you, like, low-key catfished me. Like, you aren't who oh, I you, thought. Yeah, don't get catfished. Yeah, don't do that. But, like, I feel like there's just an element to it where it's, like, I just want, like, if I think the original things are compatible, I'm going to be, like, okay, let's set up a date, like, where we can go out and meet instead of all this, like, build up to, like, you've traveled to Paris, I've traveled to Paris. Like, and it, I just feel like it builds up this, like... And then you expect to meet them and have it be like, boom, sparks fly. Like, this is the love of your life, like whatever. And it's just a normal human interaction. And then you're like, ooh, this didn't meet my standards. Yeah. But it's like, that's what a first date is. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like if it goes well, then it like, you know, it goes. But it oftentimes I feel like isn't going to be this like we're off to the races. Like it's like we love it first. You know, like, yeah, it's like we should have spent this whole life together like i don't know yeah but yeah i've seen some people do like on dating apps like um they'll maybe limit themselves to like a number of texts and they'll be like after this text if i if i like them then let's meet up and then yeah. if i don't like them then you know let's move on so like first of all it saves time second of all it's like let's just meet up in per- person and just like figure this out yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, you want to have, well, for most people, an in-person relationship with that person. So, like, let's get that over with. Like, yeah. why? And I think it is also, once again, almost a fear of mine of, like, I want to keep them, like, virtual and in this little, like, box for, like, so long because it's, like, I don't want and like this is so toxic of me but like i don't want to be exposed to their humanity because then at that point you start to see like the flaws you know but like that is what is so beautiful about it you know as corny as that sounds but like it is because like i also don't want people to see my flaws like i love having yeah and like but and also like online you can like choose pick and choose which things you're vulnerable about yes to like build a connection yes right and it just like it builds i don't know i just don't think it at all correlates to like in person and it is what i found with like people like i'll think i had like a great connection with them and then the other thing is like sometimes they'll just like ghost you <laughs> and yeah. you're like hmm did we actually connect at all or was this all just like were you doing this with 14 other people let me me give you something to think about yeah i I think you gave me a good leeway into this okay so you just said you just said that in dating apps like vulnerability is really scary and that's what you're like maybe that's what you're selecting for when you're picking out like the perfect photo on your profile you're scared that there are things that are vulnerable that would then show other people, you know, what it is you're about. And my kind of thing in like a conversation that I had with my therapist was we are talking about like 
little aspects of like my perfectionism, but also about like why I kind of like work myself um, to death, <laughs> basically to achieve what whatever expectations I want. And kind of when she asked like, what does that do for you? My instant thought was control. Hmm. I think perfectionism is what puts me and makes me feel like I'm in control of either the situation or myself or whatever. Um, basically anything that is uncontrollable, if I can strive for perfectionism, it is controllable. So for me, in ways that that might manifest is if I'm working on, like, say – I'm working on my event for my job and there's like the weather, like the weather is going to be horrific. It's going to be so hot. I'm so scared for the attendance going. I can't control it. What I can control in my head is I can prepare exit plan A through Z Yeah. for anything that could possibly go wrong and I can figure out a solution to how to fix it. So in my head, this is actually real, <laughs> real story. Um, but for this event, um, I looked at the weather. I was like, oh my God, it's going to be a heat wave. I'm like, no attendants are going to show up. Like I'm not going to reach my expectation of the number of people that show up for my event. It's not going to look good. I'm going to be wasting money, all of these whatever reasons. And then I said, oh, but here is something that I can do. So I went out like in the dead of night and I bought like packs of water bottles and like, you know, slipped it into my car. And so here I am not getting enough sleep. I'm stressed as all hell about this event. And I show up to the event and I have all these packs of water, and it turned out to be just fine. Like, the weather was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. But I think for me, like, that was, like, a very clear indicator that whenever I can't control something, that is when I start, like, catastrophizing and then trying to make up for it when there is nothing to make up for. Yeah. When everything was going to be just fine. But here I am, you know, stressing about it for no reason. Yeah. And I think another thing that feeds into that too is like, it's that, you know, old phrase, like rather be safe than sorry, where mm -hmm. that time, you know, you spent whatever money you did on those water bottles, whatever, but you would have rather had that and that money gone to waste or whatever than the alternative where you come completely where unprepared fail. yeah where i fail myself and i fail everyone else it was yeah. my thought it was like i'm literally going to fail everyone if yeah. i don't get these packs of water <laughs> and i cannot control the weather yeah no and i think that is something that i struggle with a lot too where it's like i'll go overboard on something because it's like that guarantees that it's like a fail safe essentially like if this goes wrong like at least and 
nine times out of 10 or even 99 times out of 100, I don't need to use that fail safe. Mm -hmm. But then that one time that it works and I'm like, thank God I did this. It just like resets my brain back into like you said, like that control mode where like this is something I need to do. Like I do need to keep like doing these fail because it's like if I don't the next time I it'll be the same. Like I will fail and like it'll look horrible on me. Like I just like will fail everyone else. Like it's just like and it's such a horrible cycle because it. It's literally like it's it's at the end of the day. Like perfectionism just results in self sabotage. Like it's, yeah. it's it is what it is. And I can think of another example just in like dating too. Is like I broke off. I ghosted this person who I thought was actually kind of great, and I just completely cut contact with them because I felt so out of control. Because no longer am I like by myself. Now I'm reliant on someone else. to give me feedback and to like talk to them and I have to wait for their responses and stuff. I felt so out of control and I couldn't control my emotions. And so my best thing was to find like the tiniest thing wrong about them and then just completely blow the relationship out. Yeah. And it was just just complete self-sabotage because like – like yes, I am now feeling like I in more in control over my emotions because I don't even have to deal with my emotions. But now it's like I've completely given up on any sort of like joy or happiness that this person could possibly bring to my life. Yeah. I interestingly, I actually feel like I when it comes to dating apps and stuff, handle it sort of in like the inverse way which is like very odd but I almost like kind of love like yielding the control to the other person which is like really odd but I think it's because it's all online and it's not to me doesn't feel like any real control Mm -hmm. but I love the thrill of like waiting for that text back from them or like which is so toxic of me and like needs to be looked into but like i and that's why i like deleted all those apps and stuff for a bit and i was like i need to check in with myself but i loved having someone that i was talking to and it would like get me like literally through the day of like oh my gosh like they'll probably text me like blah 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 and then it would keep me up at not keep me up at night but like at night i would be like I would like, you know, if they weren't responding, it was like, oh, like, when are they going to like, it would literally like control my life. And wouldn't it put you in such a spiral, though? It like it would, but it also just like distracted me from like so much other shit going on in my life. But then when it like really I needed to check myself was this like situation where I was talking to someone for a bit. And I think I might have told you about this, but. I was talking to someone for a bit and it was going like, well, you know, we were texting back and forth, like talking about meeting up and it was someone who I had found out lived at our apartment complex and then they like had started not responding and then we got a message, like they hadn't responded for a couple days and then we got a message from our complex that someone had like committed suicide like in our complex Mm -hmm. 
And like immediately my brain, you know, which is so selfish of me to think like they could have just ghosted me. But immediately my brain was like, oh, my God, that was this person. And that sent me into like a legitimate spiral. Like I like actually I didn't know this person. I did not. I had not met this person once in my life. But I was starting to think like somehow I had like caused this to happen. Turns out was not that person like was not them at all. But like you said, I get so like wrapped up in it. And like I do let it control me, which is like very. I don't know. Like I think at the end of the day, it like speaks to the fact that I am like I like being a follower kind of like I like dang I like being someone but like not in all situations like I can't even delineate which situations it like works because like some situations I need to be in the control like I need to be in the driver's seat otherwise it stresses me out like one of them is driving. Like, I do not like being a passenger princess. Like, I would rather be in the driver's seat than be... Because that is just... I don't know if it's because my life is on the line or, like, what's going on there. But, like, that one I need to be... Like, I would prefer being in the driver's seat. But there are other situations where, like, I do like yielding control to the other person. But I don't know. Like, I don't know why it was so weird with me, weird for me with like dating apps because it, I would like literally get like, like, you know, reward from getting these like stupid texts back from people. And when they were, it was probably for them just like responding down the line of people that they had matched with, you know? But like, I never had like i really have never been person like a person that's like talked with a bunch of people on a dating app at one time so it was probably like me thinking we had this like special like one-on-one connection meanwhile i'm like 13th on their list of people to respond to but um once again i always gave them grace like if they were a dry texter i was like oh maybe they'll be better in person or if it like I don't know I just feel like I gave people like a little too much grace in that sense where it was like that's where it like kind of did apply to like the if he wanted to he would type thing um but then I also you need to understand like I needed to understand like sometimes like life happens and people don't like dating apps aren't their number one priority but once again this is why going forward I'm gonna make it a priority to like meet up with people first because then I feel like you set up more of an open line of communication. Like if you've met someone and they start going through something, I feel like they're more likely to be like, hey, had a great time on this first date, but like this, this, and this is happening. Whereas if it's online, they're just like, oh, like I haven't met them in person. Like I can ghost them. Um, But I think that really started to eat away at me. It's like constantly being like ghosted or doing the ghosting because it was just like, is this what our love life is looking like in this generation like just this constant cycle um so yeah i don't know how i got down that (laughs) rabbit hole um what did we how did we start that discussion i mean it was just like it's just the matter of like perfectionism for me is basically controlling and mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. and for in in the terms of like controlling it means that i can not be vulnerable because vulnerable is almost like 
relinquishing control like in the terms of my relationship with other people like when I am vulnerable it's like I'm telling you a lot of things and you're seeing me in this state and now you can do with that info whatever you want to do with it yeah that freaks me out yeah and that's that like control and I like I just think it's something that I'm still working on and like you're also still working on and we (laughs) like as sad it is to say this but like at this point in our lives like we have no answers yeah unfortunately (laughs) so like our fellow like perfectionists out there like we (laughs) we are still like the two of us are still very young and we're still a work in progress exactly (laughs) and so this is you know, just kind of our thoughts on it, but like we can't really give out much advice. Yeah. Like all you can do really is to like, I guess try to like talk yourself out when you do feel like you're trying to like assert your perfectionist ideals into something. And I don't know, like give yourself more grace Um, that's definitely something that I've been wanting to implement. And I think I just really noticed how bad, um, like my perfectionism was like when after graduation, I just kind of hit that like block of exhaustion. And I think I just, just trying to upkeep the image that I wanted to upkeep and all of my perfectionist expectations just was it was just like complete self-sabotage and at the end I just could not sustain it it's just not sustainable and I think that's something that I really really need to work on like going forward and especially as I find new lines of work it's like I cannot keep putting 200% of myself into things that I do and that is my conclusion. Yeah. I think, like I said it before, but I think the most important thing, like it sounds kind of stupid, but just like acknowledging your own humanity. Like at the end of the day, we are these like complex beings that, you know, can in some ways achieve close to perfection or even in some manners, perf- like perfection or what you think is perfection. But it's also, like you were saying, it's important to kind of relinquish that control sometimes and realize that when you don't hit that benchmark, like take a step back and think like, what were the reasons you wanted to hit the benchmark? Was it actually for like a good solid reason? Or was it just because you wanted to like prove to someone else, prove to yourself that you could do it? And it's like when you turn back and look around, like and look at where you are, a lot of the time you have proved to yourself you can do it. Like you have proved to other people that you can do it. You just have this idea in your head that you need to reach that certain benchmark. But it's like, if you got most of the way there, like, and you turn around and look around, like everyone else is looking at you being like, wow, like that is someone who I would say like has accomplished not only like this level, this level, but like way above and beyond. And it's just like, try not to set such high standards to where like you can't 
and just like don't keep setting them higher and higher because like you said like eventually you get to the point where you're working yourself 200 percent, and it's like that's not sustainable for anyone and then what percent do you have left for yourself or the people around you yeah and i would say like also look at who who is setting the benchmark like is it society is it yourself is it you know people around you is it your boss like who is setting the benchmarks and like what is actually attainable yeah because if if you're realizing who's setting the benchmarks and if you can actually attain them i think you would save yourself a lot of pain yeah and if it's yourself setting those like almost unrealistic benchmarks that's like the first place to start and i think that's where like i'm starting because it Mm -hmm. really has been a lot of self-imposed perfectionism my whole life where it's like i need to learn how to give myself some grace and be like let's take a chill like let's just realize what we've done what we've accomplished and revel in that success and like maybe focus on an alternate avenue versus having this like one track mind thinking of like this is the goal i need to accomplish and everything else is like in the periphery yeah um whereas more more so being like oh maybe those things on the periphery like deserve some recognition and like you know i can look into that a little more versus like because for me that one track thing was always like academics you know like that was always the goal i was striving for and i think a lot of things fell by the wayside because of it um so yeah now i feel like i'm trying to like recognize some of those things that were previously on the periphery to like become actually more well-rounded and not just well-rounded in the (laughs) realm of academics um because becoming a well-rounded person is a lot more work than just being a part of some clubs and that sort of stuff yeah it's actually about the end of the day like what actually matters yeah and it's like i feel like it's about putting effort into other people like it's becoming well-rounded means also becoming Um, Like, I feel like the biggest part about it is, like, becoming more emotionally intelligent and tied to the people around you and, like, making sure you have a community that, like, helps keep you in check and, like, you do the same for them Mm -hmm. to where they can kind of be this reminder whether you're in a situation that you're self-imposing those benchmarks we were talking about or you're in a job that, like, is imposing these unrealistic expectations they can be, like, like hey like you need to get out of the situation or like how can we deal with it and for me i think like that's been the most important thing is like surrounding myself with people that recognize you know the thought process that i'm going through or maybe if they don't understand it they can like listen and kind of like keep me in check and be like we understand or like i relate and like here's how we can deal with it and like yeah yeah that's all i got (laughs) And that's my conclusion on perfectionism. You could go go on and on about it, but I feel like that's a pretty good ending point about like, we don't have the answers, but we're all trying. We're trying trying to get there. We'll let you know if we find the answers. We'll have a perfectionism part two if we become all-knowing beings somehow. I would love to talk about like perfectionism and then also self-worth because I feel like that's a whole nother thing too. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot to go along with this topic, but it has been 
over an hour. <laughs> we just started to ra- as as we figured, we started to ramble and it's also I, getting late. Dude, I I can always tell when I'm done with an episode when my brain just like slowly empties. <laughs> But I'm like mm. all the all the stuff gets all taken the, out. All the thoughts just like brain empty drain out of my brain. The bedrot thoughts have been thoughts. spoken into existence. Yep. On this bed. Do you have any last last rotting thoughts? Um I mean, I don't think so. I I think that <laughs> I feel like this 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 episode's gonna have such a different ending from I felt like for some reason the one with like Vic and I was more like it felt really final. But with this topic, it just it seems like a big question mark still because yeah. they're still working on it. And so I'm interested maybe like in the future we like revisit this topic and see what kind of work we've done. Yeah. For it. So it doesn't seem like a big ending, even mm-hmm. though it's the ending of our trip, but it feels like an ending. Yeah. Not like an ending for this topic. So we'll probably revisit it. I hope so. <laughs> I think that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. This is the end <laughs> of the episode. Um, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> we'll let you know <laughs> if we have found um enlightenment (laughs) so we hope so okay let us know if you found enlightenment in any other ways because we would love keep us posted um instagram is (laughs) bedrot.thoughts i occasionally post um video episodes but they are not perfect please do not judge my video skills because i have none (laughs) (laughs) anyways we are going to end this with a kyle and ping high five (laughs) okay (laughs) stay safe out there bye bye